All right, everyone, welcome back to another week, episode seven already of season two. And it is also Ash Wednesday. Like that. And if you haven't picked up already, just based on that mystery voice, we have a guest with us today. (laughs) Hey. So we have seminarian Jacob Hugo with us. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob, there's a burning question that we ask every single one of our guests. How do you take your coffee? Always black. Always black. Always black? Yep. Are you going to pull a Father Kevin and say black like your clerics? No. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) it's a good thing father kevin just left the room so you know i i was kind of afraid he was right behind me so i I didn't want to like kind of like have you ever watched ncis yes Mm -hmm. when when gibbs just kind of walks up behind people as they're talking and then he usually gives them a gibbs slap or something like that yeah I never watched that show until my friends encouraged me to, and now I can't stop watching it, and I think I've watched it three times, like, <laughs> from start to finish. It's a good show. It is it is a good show, but it's a bit of an issue I feel like I need to maybe... <laughs> Give it up for Lent. Hey. Give it up. Stephen, don't be shaking your head, okay? <laughs> Our fact checker doesn't have a microphone today, so he will just get by with head nods. Anyways, we're, we're thrilled to be back for another week, and we're excited that Jacob is with us. And we're actually, because it is Ash Wednesday, we're going to talk a little bit about Ash Wednesday. Where did it come from? Why do we celebrate it? Why do we remember it? And why it's really, honestly, it's one of the most well-attended masses of the entire year outside mm-hmm. of like Christmas and Easter. But before we get into that, we just want to take some time for Jacob to share a little bit about himself. Like I said, he's a seminarian for the Diocese of Saginaw, and so you're in your second year? Second year of major theology, yeah. So this is year six of eight. I did four years in college seminary before, and now a second year at Mundelein Seminary in Chicago. Cool. So it's it's been good. It's yeah. been really good. The time flies. It seems like when you're at seminary, the days are long, but the weeks are short. Mm. And uh, before you know it, another semester is upon you and you're just soaking up as much as you can. Right. Well, and right now you are doing your like pastoral internship. Is that, what is the correct title for? Is that what it is? Right. Yeah. Pastoral internship. Uh, yep. yep. So uh, it's just an opportunity for seminarians to go back to their home diocese, mm. experience a little bit of parish life and begin to integrate some of the things that they learned over past semesters and begin to apply them in real life situations. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of opportunities to begin teaching, to begin ministering to folks. Certainly, uh, so I'm over at St. Bridget in Midland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I accompany Father Andy Booms a lot. Shout out to Father Andy. Oh, we had him on the podcast back in Advent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's saying the uh, Alleluia in the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's okay. the version of the Alleluia. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm over there with him <laughs> and just following him around. Like a little dog like Dee Poochie you're following yeah well like, yeah maybe not quite <laughs> not no no but it's been really good just to be with the kids in the school be in the hospital visit folks whatnot so it, it really is an opportunity that has borne even now just a month in a lot of fruit instilling that that kind of confidence in ministry that only comes through actually doing it so mm-hmm. yeah it's one thing to learn and be in the academics but then it's another thing to put it into practice exactly Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, similar with my job, too. It's one thing to study theology, but then 
to actually be in a parish working, that's something different. Right. You learn a lot of things. It's that, mm-hmm. well, why did it teach us this? That's your seminary, right, formation, mm-hmm. but obviously you had to come from somewhere. Yes. yes. So where did you grow up? Like, how did you end up in seminary? So maybe just a short little snippet of your life. Sure, yeah, yeah. So uh, I grew up in Essexville, not too far away. Yep, Mary-Kate knows. Uh, Our Lady of Chestahova is my home parish. Shout out to Father Rick Filari. Let's see. The idea of seminary just always uh, was upon my mind uh, as a young kid. I I guess I just describe my journey of the Lord calling me as as a gentle, steady, consistent voice, right? Mm -hmm. I, I Sometimes people have this idea of guys who sense a call early on that they're somehow like picked out in or special, and that's that's not the case at all. It just means that those guys have hard heads and they need to hear it mm. earlier on, right? Mm. They need to begin I would to. Agree with that. Yes, see, <laughs> <laughs> Americans know me for a long time. So. We know nothing about what it's like to be hard-headed. Mm. We're all hard-headed, yeah, I think, well, in some yeah. degree. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, not mm. me. <laughs> I'll admit it. I totally am. All right. So it was just a, a kind of um, that slow, steady mm-hmm. feeling and yeah, such. Yeah, very, so. very, very consistent. And there's three aspects in my life that eventually gave me the support mm-hmm. to pursue a call to the priesthood. And I always say the three are altar serving, so just mm-hmm. being close to the priest during the Mass, and then Eucharistic adoration. My, my family uh, had a holy hour every week at First at St. Joe's when the chapel was there, and then uh, later on it moved to All Saints. We picked up the Holy Hour there. And then finally, good priestly mentors. Mm. So I was in high school. I got this opportunity. I would go to Holy Hour in the morning, and then immediately after that, I would go and cycle over to the next parish over and visit my good friend, Father Daniel Roa, and he would tutor me in Spanish for a good hour every day. And that was that was a huge blessing for, for a high schooler, just to have... First of all, a dedicated hour every week with the parish priest. That was I was super blessed. Mm-hmm. But you know, during those Spanish lessons, they would inevitably be interrupted by the uh, secretary that needed something, the call to the hospital, the something or another is broken, leaked, going to blow up at the parish. Something that required his attention. So he would be, "Hey, you want to come with? Come with me mm-hmm. and just like see. This is what parish life is, right?" So I say I, I'm very blessed to have this little insight into parish life early on. I think priests and religious need the reminder of just their presence mm-hmm. can make a huge impact on young people and the importance of that those vocations, but also even marriages too, right? Those good holy marriages to young people can really make an influence early on. Absolutely. And really inspire a lot of vocations mm-hmm. too. For so. sure. Oh, I know... Heck, I think you were, what, third grade? And you already were kind of like, yeah, I want to be a priest. So, yeah, as long as I've known you, you have kind of had that. And then it's just kind of been cultivated by, you know, those good priests that you've known and yeah. and yeah. grown close to. And so it's, it's been really awesome to just see you grow in it as you've gotten older. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. thanks. Yeah. When I was that young, it was, it was more more game slash interest, right? So I, I mean, was like, play mass. Play mass, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, a- as things progressed, it was, you know, I don't really know when the the play aspect of it stopped mm. and the and the serious discerning began. Obviously, I I stopped playing mass at some, at some point, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> but 
kind of ironically during Deacon Year, they have you start playing Mass again. So, <laughs> wow, vaguely familiar. Well, oh, cool. yeah. Yeah, just the, the Lord just gently calling, steadily giving me an opportunity to hear his voice. And I think that's ultimately kind of what really moved me just to give seminary a, a try. Mm-hmm. You know, and if there there is any guy out there listening and thinking about seminary, it's worth the try. It's worth the shot. You're not going to get ordained tomorrow. You're not going to get ordained even in a year. And, you know, seminary only is an opportunity to grow in relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So if you're at that point, go for it. You know, Duke and Altum, jump into the deep. Let's go. Because I, if you just get a year into it and you decide, you know what, this isn't for me, you're going to come out with so many graces, so many blessings, and your maturity in the Lord's just going to explode. It's mm-hmm. going to be great. Jason right. will always say that he never regrets his five years in mm-hmm. seminary. Mm-hmm. Because it's like Father Adam has said, you're either going to leave seminary a good father or a good father. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're either going to be Father Adam or you're going to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. Father Jason, husband and dad to three kids. You know, that kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and the, the idea of seminaries, the Latin means seed, right? So mm-hmm. there's this this analogy of the seminarian going into seminary and the seed has to die in order that it grows. Mm-hmm. So seminary really uh, is meant to teach a man how to die to himself. So whether that comes out as a spiritual father or a biological father, both of those ring true in fatherhood ultimately. You have to learn to give of yourself. And uh, with that comes a lot of maturing, with that comes time just to be with the Lord and, and say, Lord, how do you want me to give my life for others? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That image kind of really ties into this concept of Lent, right? Mm-hmm. And Ash Wednesday, allowing the Lord to to water us so that we can grow closer to him. We'll go ahead and dive into that. But thank you for sharing just some of your story and your sure. journey and how the Lord has been calling you. And so I know that that'll also influence our conversation today, too, as we enter into this penitential season. Mm-hmm. And it's a holy season, too, right? People may get frustrated thinking oh well we got to give up things for Lent and I don't know what to give up or this is hard what's a holy season I think we first of all need to remember that this is a very holy season in which the Lord is planting these seeds in Mm -hmm. our in our lives and he wants them to grow and he wants to water them but that comes when we strip ourselves down a little bit right right? when we get I guess a more focus right we have a more finite focus I guess right right yeah I'd agree yeah what we're going for so so now what we're going to do is just spend a little bit of time unpacking Ash Wednesday kind of where did it come from where did this practice come from and then also talk a little bit about some of our Lenten experiences so I've had some good ones I've had some (laughs) not so good ones and I've had mediocre ones but Before we get to that, just kind of a quick recap, if you're not familiar with Ash Wednesday, or maybe you are, but just a little bit of a refresher. Ash Wednesday is 46 days before Easter, right? So that's how you could get into, I know there's some like agricultural where the moon is and things like that, how the date of Easter is set. And we won't go into all of that, but it's 46 days prior to Easter. And the one year Ash Wednesday was on my birthday, that was Stephen's over here laughing now. <laughs> that was an interesting birthday. I think I celebrated on Fat Tuesday, naturally. That's fair. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I would. Right. I I've, had to. I've only missed Ash Wednesday Mass once, and it was because I was in the hospital. And the next day, I had Mary Trez. That's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> That's acceptable. <laughs> Anyways, 
46 days before Easter begins this penitential season of Lent, right? And so Lent begins with Ash Wednesday, but then it ends with the Mass of the Lord's Supper, like right before that, uh, which is Holy Thursday. And fun fact, the ashes that we use for Ash Wednesday, does anybody know where they come from? I do. Jacob, you don't know? Oh, I do know. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you just spoke up first, so go for it. Where do the ashes come from? The ashes come from last year's palm branches from mm-hmm. Palm Sunday. And another fun fact, you don't get a lot of ashes when you burn the palms. You really don't, no. No, it like, comes down to very little. Right. <laughs> Most people don't bring their palms back, right? So the idea is like you bring your palms back. Right. We had them all gathered like, and then completely forgot. Yeah. Like I'll remember to bring my palms back like every five years. I'll just like, here you go. Yeah, I think I have some still in my apartment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we've been collecting them here, but, and I know I was asked like, hey, do your youth kids want to help burn these? I was like, yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> I'll put these kids to work. Why not? <laughs> It'll be fun. They get to play with fire. Not really, but there will be adult supervision. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Disclaimer. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we'll do for youth group one night. We'll burn, burn the palms. I think we can make that a good spiritual exercise. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So, Jacob, I was wondering, though, if... Before, I want to talk about some like Old Testament references when it comes to ashes and like repentance and intercession and things like that to just kind of see where this comes from in the Jewish history. But mm-hmm. maybe like, would you share what do some of these terms mean? So like, what does fasting mean? What does penance mean? And what does it mean to intercede? Because when you read the Old Testament, a lot of these terms come up, right? We we read a lot of these terms. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe if you could just share with that seminary knowledge of yours what yeah application all right here we go here we go here we go right all right so the idea of fasting right so it it primarily pertains to to abstaining from food right you just deprive yourself of a little bit of food and uh, in general you can kind of use it to deprive yourself of anything of comfort right and the the idea is for the sake of of spiritual discipline or as a sake Mm -hmm. for the sake of penance a simple way of Mortifying the body just a little bit to connect yourself to God, right? Uh, in penance, it's more more of a general term, right? So we we think of an act of penance, action of doing something meant to atone for sin. It's reparation for a wrong committed. So, and most often we do this as a part of the sacrament of reconciliation, right? The priest gives you a penance to do, and you go do that. It's not really meant to make up for the sin, right? Because mm-hmm. As we know, every sin is an infinite offense against an infinite God, right? So how can we possibly, by saying three Hail Marys after your confession, <laughs> possibly make up for it, right? But the, the idea is that we, we take ownership of, of the sin we have committed and we try to repair that relationship. So anytime I wrong a friend, I not only apologize, but I also do something a little extra to, to make up for it, right? So that's just our simple way of saying, Lord, I, I do love you. Uh, here's a little token of my love back to you. Something small, but we are small creatures. We're simple creatures. We are. Finally, I guess the idea uh, to intercede or an intercessor is somebody who goes between, mm-hmm. is somebody who speaks on the behalf of somebody else. I mean, heck, that's that's our saints. Those are our saints, right? Somebody who we ask St. Joseph to intercede for us. We're simply asking him to, as somebody who's so close to the Lord himself, mm-hmm. to say, hey, help me out here. Right. And we even do that, too, with other people. 
yeah. right? When when somebody, hey, I have a prayer request, like, can you pray for this? You know, that's us interceding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even the saints, you know, because exactly. we know that our mortal bodies will die, but our souls will live on, right? right? And so, so that's where we get that act of intercession with the saints, which we talked about that last season, some episode in season one. We talked about a the long, saints. Long time ago, yeah. I can still remember. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, anyways, so really quick before we talk about some of like the practical applications for Ash Wednesday, there are a couple passages in the Old Testament that I just want to pull out and I would encourage maybe reading like the chapter, like the entire chapter that these come from or just read a couple of chapters on either side of just to get a better context. But we go clear back to Genesis chapter three, and this is right after the fall, right? So Adam and Eve get this idea to eat of the fruits of good and evil because they want to become like God. And we all know what happens. They got kicked out. They, I was waiting for it. Oh, that's what happened. Oh, I should have read that. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wow. A little concerning there. Anyways, So, but the verse, Genesis 3, 19, actually reads, this is God talking to Adam, and it reads, so, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, and you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so, this is common. If you go to Ash Wednesday, you would hear the priest or whoever's distributing ashes either say two things, repent and believe in the gospel, or you are dust, and dust you shall return. And so this image of dust and ashes symbolize our mortality, mm. right? So mm. it's, it's an action or it's representing our sinfulness, our mortality, but the, also the fact that uh, we're going to die, right? Like none of us are, like our mortal bodies are going to die and mm-hmm. then decay. And so nothing of our mortal self is going to last. And so here, even back in Genesis, we're starting to get this idea of like, okay, so we aren't going to live forever. What we do with our bodies, right, and how our actions, like they matter. Mm-hmm. And so this image of dust is we were created out of nothing and to nothing we will return. Another scripture passage, flip over to Job. Poor Job. Isn't mm. that what everybody says? Poor Job. Oh, poor Job. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but in chapter 42, verse 6, we read, Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So we get that term, repent. Mm-hmm. But we also hear dust and ashes. So this adds another layer. So we're not only thinking, okay, we are going to die in our own mortality, right, with the dust, but now we're adding this level of repentance for sin. And so another example would be in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, Daniel, who is a righteous man, is praying and interceding for his people And he says, I, Daniel, turn my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So the fasting, sackcloth and ashes is Daniel doing penance and for the sins and offenses that others have committed. So there's another example Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. Anyways, another, and this is probably one of the most significant scripture passages in the Old Testament when it comes to ashes, like on the forehead, is actually from 1 Maccabees. Mm. So you don't okay. really like yeah, hear that. a lot from Maccabees, but in First Maccabees chapter three verse forty-seven it says they fasted that day and they put on sackcloth. There's another okay, 
we all just need sackcloth, right? So they put on sackcloth and sprinkled ashes on their heads and rent their clothes. So not only here did they fast and they pray, but they tore their clothing, they wore sackcloth as a sign of penance, but they put ashes like on their head, mm-hmm. right? So that's like probably the most significant passage in scripture where we see that they were actually putting ashes on their head, mm-hmm. which is what we do today, right? And so then finally, we have Queen Esther. So we look at the, in the book of Esther, right? So just to set the context a little bit, if, you, if you're not sure the story of Esther, Esther is married to a king who actually is a pagan king. And he's going to kill all of the Jews unless she intercedes for them and gets to save them, mm-hmm. right? So she enters into an intense time of prayer and fasting and supplication for her people. So in Esther chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, it reads, Esther the queen, seized with deathly anxiety, fled to the Lord. She took off her splendid apparel and put on the garments of distress and mourning. And instead of costly perfumes, she covered her head with ashes and dung. And she utterly humbled her body and she put uh, in every part that she loved to adorn, she covered with her tangled hair and she prayed to the Lord, the God of Israel. Praised God. It's not called Dung Wednesday. <laughs> right? That would be nasty. Smelly. I probably would not want to partake in that. I change enough diapers. No, thank you. Well, that's true, right? But the, I think it's beautiful that you have this queen mm-hmm. who was, would be adorned in all of her beauty, mm-hmm. now enters into this time of intense fasting and prayer and completely changes everything, mm-hmm. right? Her apparel, her hair, like she, everything, all for prayer and supplication for her people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's that's a beautiful example of, I guess, a way for us to look at our lives, you know, as we're entering into Lent. How are we changing, you know? Right. That's like, a great example of the uh, intercessor. Right. 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 That she cared so much for her people, right, for the Jews, like that, that she wanted to mm-hmm. offer this as a prayer. Uh, and for a queen, that would be huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a radical change. So, so just a few scripture passages, especially from the Old Testament, that, I mean, these were Jewish traditions that they did that we still see carried out today. Mm-hmm. You know, we see the mortality, remembering your mortality like Adam, repenting for sin like Job, but then also interceding for others like Daniel and Esther. We This this beginning of Lent and this Ash Wednesday, when we receive the ashes, it should be this reminder of, okay, we're entering into this time of prayer. You know, We're entering into a time of prayer, fasting and penance. It's not something that was just made up, but it's actually very scriptural, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think that can help us dive into even more because the scripture is there to allow us to enter into the story and not just read it as you know something that happened thousands of years ago right right so i don't know if you guys had any thoughts on those or just some that i pulled out i i don't know i really liked both esther and the fact that in uh maccabees you see that they're actually putting it on their forehead Mm -hmm. because i feel like yeah like you said that's a big part of why we put it on our forehead Mm -hmm. it's something that father mike schmitz will say is the ashes mean I'm a sinner, but the cross of it, that the ashes is made into means that I have a savior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that quote because it's mm-hmm. so true. Mm-hmm. When even in the gospels, Jesus makes reference to the ashes, you know, in the fasting. Mm-hmm. I think it's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 21 is when he 
makes reference to this, like he recognizes what the Jewish people have done. Yeah. And so there is, even if Jesus is recognizing it, well, obviously there's some sort of importance there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just some of the theological background of kind of where that, the scriptural support for where we get this use of ashes right. Ash Wednesday. Right. Some people like want to know practical application too, you know, how do we, or what are some of the guidelines? So Mary-Kate. Yeah. So what are the guidelines? Obviously, the church has certain guidelines that we have to use for Ash Wednesday and Good Friday as well. So no meat. That's the abstinence part. No meat. If you are 14 or older, we never had meat, whether we were 14 or not, because my parents weren't going to make two (laughs) meals and I wasn't complaining about mac and cheese. So fasting consists of having at most two very small meals that together do not equal a full meal and one full meal. So, like, only having one plate at dinner and not going back for seconds, that kind of a thing. Right. And it's got to be a sacrifice. And that, fasting is for those 18 to 59 unless medically exempt. So, when I was pregnant and nursing, I was exempt from fasting. So, Jacob, what are some experiences that you've had with, you know, Ash Wednesday and Lent? Like, what are some of your really good experiences? What are some bad experiences that you've had? Fill us in. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I think some of the best journeys that I've had during Lent have been side by side with brothers, with other seminarians, or just folks that I know are truly making an effort to grow closer to the Lord. This idea of sin isolates us. It brings us in and on ourselves. So for Lent, we do the exact opposite. We show love and concern for other folks and their desire to know the Lord better. That makes for some serious fruit. Mm -hmm. So just being able to share the struggle with other guys, you know, I, I think of particularly like Exodus 90, or in this case, Exodus 40, the, the Lent version, right? So you're, you're taking on these disciplines, but you're not doing it alone. So it's not really, it can't be a pride thing if you're constantly checking in with other guys and you're being accountable towards that discipline as well. So I think the best journeys that I have are with other folks. We're in this together. We're going to get to know the Lord better. That's the whole purpose of, of Lent. Mm-hmm. And some of the worst Lents have been more about, I think, taking on things mm-hmm. just for the sake of doing it. Like, I'm going to tough this one out. You know, I'm going to stack hey, on the look discipline. look at me. Kind you know, of yeah. 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 And it, it really has not been fruitful, right? It's, it's just you end up just frustrated. And slowly but surely those disciplines begin to just kind of topple. You're just kind of like, well, okay, got to start over. I got to like reevaluate. And it's like day 12 of Lent, you know, it's right. kind of sad, but. <laughs> right, right. When I just like, I want to interject that too really quick, since you brought up that point, mm-hmm. I encourage people like Lent isn't necessarily about how much you give up. It's about growing closer with the Lord. I would share that same experience yeah. that my worst Lents have been when I've tried to give up more than just like maybe one or two things. Mm-hmm. And so, but it might be worthwhile to just maybe reevaluate, you know, just to double check to make sure that you're not taking on too much because you want to set yourself up to succeed in growing closer to the Lord and not failing. And because when you fail, then that just means discouragement, which leads to anger and frustration and everything else that doesn't help us grow closer to the Lord. So, yeah. Yeah. I just want to like throw that in there a little bit because... But what about some good experiences that you've had, Emma? I would have to say the year of COVID, when mm. the world shut down, that was actually a very beautiful Lent for me. So my friends and I, we went on a silent retreat to St. Meinrad Arch Abbey in southern Indiana. But it was like 10 days before the world shut down, mm. you know. And so that, even though it wasn't quite Lent yet, or maybe it was... 
Actually, it was because they even had all of their icons already covered, covered like even that early. Okay. Yeah. Like, which was really kind of beautiful, actually. I remember that we were there and just entering in even more deeply, you know, in the silence on a silent retreat. And we had it that we could only talk to each other when we had dinner and we were sitting at the table, right? The minute that we got, it was like a recap of the day. Where were we at spiritually and just, you know, things that the Lord was touching in our hearts. And then as soon as we got up from the table, obviously it was back to silent mode. But that Mm. was just, that was a very fruitful experience in that Lent. And honestly, the rest of, I think the rest of my practices for that Lent was uh, just like, you know, no TV, no Netflix and streaming Mm -hmm. things and just embracing the quiet and remind, it was a good reminder of like, I really love to read, which isn't a surprise to anybody that knows me. <laughs> I love books, but also just how powerful silence is. So I think for me, that was probably one of the best Lenten experiences that I had was that year. But even last year was beautiful in a different way because COVID still was affecting things. You know, I mean, we were still having masses and things, but other activities were very, very stripped down. So it was, again, just a quiet yeah. time. Yeah. But in college or when I was growing up, it was oh, look, I'm giving up this, I'm giving up this, I'm giving up this. And I, oh, look at me more versus, mm-hmm. Lord, I'm only going to maybe give up one thing, but I'm going to add this spiritual exercise, Right. you know? Right. And so when I started to add spiritual exercises, I think is when things got a lot better in my experience with Lent mm-hmm. too. So for me, that would I say that. And accountability too, having people to yeah. hold yeah. you accountable is, is is important, not just in Lent, but in your life in general mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. I would echo what you said there. For sure. Okay, now it's your turn. Okay. <laughs> so I would have to say one of the best experiences that I've had in Lent was one year I gave up listening to music in the car and I only listened to 1440 Ave Maria radio. Shout out. But I actually really <laughs> loved it because I grew more in the faith. I usually just listen to Christian radio anyway, but I was learning more about the faith. I was listening to, you know, mm-hmm. actual people who were Catholic and not just Christian and talk about what do we believe or yeah. what is going on in the world and how do we look at what is going on in the world in a Catholic viewpoint. And I would have to say, ironically enough, my worst Lenten experience was the year of 2020. <laughs> and that was... But you and I were in very different circumstances. We were. So I had I had just given birth to Mary <laughs> Trez. Like I said, very different experiences and circumstances. Yes. Yeah, so like I said, Mary Trez was born the day after Ash Wednesday. And the world pretty much shut down right after she was born. Mm-hmm. And I was thrown into motherhood in basically solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. And as it was an extrovert. Rough. It was rough because yeah. you're experiencing all these new <laughs> things as a young mom for uh, the first time, and you're doing it alone. Right. You don't have any yeah. help. And, I mean, I would get some help, but um, you really couldn't do much because, again, everything was shut down. Mm-hmm. And I remember that Holy Week was just the worst because we weren't able to participate in any of the celebrations of holy week and that's like my favorite week of all time yeah and so it was just like basically that cracked the camel's back kind of a thing Mm -hmm. because it was just like 
yeah, I can't even fun. I can't even go to you know Good Friday and Easter Vigil and we, we we were able to watch it, but it still it just wasn't the same. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, I remember watching the Easter Vigil that year yeah. on live stream. That was awful. It's so it strange. Was bad. Yeah, it was super weird. Just like you know, serving and like I was being say, yeah, in a totally empty church. Like, okay, we trust that this is getting live streamed, but there is nobody here. It's so awkward, right? Right. It's, mm-hmm. It's weird. The Lord be with you. Dead silence. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> or there's like only one or two voices. Right. It's yeah. Just when yeah. you're expecting a huge mm-hmm. crowd of people. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Weird times. Yeah. Weird times. Weird times, but also very beautiful times. Mm-hmm. You know, now that we're getting farther away from when the world shut down. Yeah. I'm looking back and realizing the fruit and the graces of that time. Because I think there was a reason why it happened during Lent. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a reason why it happened during Lent. Because it forced us to slow down, to strip down our lives, mm-hmm. right? And focus more on what was important. I mean, family life, our faith, things like that. And just, I think there was a reason why yeah. it happened yeah. when it did. And I think we went and back to Mass again for the first time the weekend of Pentecost. Yeah. Again, yeah, there's okay, a reason yeah. why that yeah, happened. Exactly. Yeah. God be like, boom, Holy Spirit. Here we go. <laughs> right, yeah. So, anyways, cool. Well, anything else that we missed when we discussed Ash Wednesday? I think we had everything. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, we I think did. we had everything. Yeah, we had everything. So, Jacob, um, one thing that we do in every episode is we share what we call a one joy. So, okay. this is something that over the past week has, or it could be a couple weeks, months, whatever, that mm-hmm. had just has brought you that true joy, that yeah. true joy that is, you just can't explain it kind of thing. So sure. uh, we're sure. going to let Mary Kate go first, so you, we won't put you on the spot. But Oh, boy. So, sorry, you're going. That's <laughs> fine by me. My one joy this week is the upcoming season of spring. Mm. That's one of my favorite parts about Lent. <laughs> and knowing that Easter's coming is that it's getting warmer. As much as I love snow, there comes a time when I'm ready for it to be warmer. Mm-hmm. And the days are getting longer, which is just is so nice to have the sun out at, you know, 6.15 and mm-hmm. knowing that it's just getting later. So Get that vitamin D. Yep. <laughs> bask in the sunlight. <laughs> in the 30 degree weather. Just my, just my hands and my face. That, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would have to say, you know, the coming warmer weather and yeah. spring. Cool. Jacob? That's really good. Yeah, yeah. So I think back to this past Sunday. So I got an opportunity to be at a baptism. And then same day, I went with Father Andy to visit a man who was actively dying. And I got to sit there and pray with his family and be with him during his final moments. For me, that's just what struck me as so beautiful was just the full circle of Christ's life being manifested in these two these two people, this mm-hmm. little boy being baptized and this elderly man who is moving on to see his Lord. So I think for me, particularly the baptism was so beautiful. It was so, the kid getting baptized, he behaved himself so well. It's super That's fun when that happens. Great, yeah. And he had so much energy after this. It, it was insane. It was running up and down the pews and it was crazy. Like, that boy is alive in the spirit. <laughs> hey, praise God. Here we go. Yeah. It was so, yeah. I was just struck by like, okay, the Lord is pouring his life out into this kid right now right so the entire paschal mystery is being brought forth into this kid right now i had to step into the sacristy i was just like so blown away that i was like 
man, tears of joy. It was mm. so awesome. Wow. And then, yeah, just to see that go full circle during that day. And yeah. like, oh, wow. Okay. From dust you are to dust you would return. Right. Like yeah. you, you, you got to see both ends of mm-hmm. that, you know. So it's beautiful. Just beautiful. Wow. Cool. Oh, I guess it's my turn. My one joy for the week is coffee dates with friends. Honestly, nice. um, coffee dates with friends. I love coffee. Ugh, if you guys don't know this by now, mm, I don't know what to tell you, but I love coffee and I love coffee dates with friends. I'm going to shout out to the person that I just had coffee with yesterday, Sylvia, who is a new youth minister in the diocese. So mm. we had a very beautiful meeting. So shout out to her. Just a reminder of just, wow, I love getting coffee and talking. Yeah. It's just. It's great. Oh, I love it. And so. Yeah, we talked for almost two hours or about two hours. Uh-huh. It was nice. great. Yeah. yeah. I had a lot of coffee, lot of coffee. too. <laughs> yeah. It was great. So that would be my one joy is just coffee dates with, with friends. Nice. So anyways. All right. Well, we probably could wrap up. Yeah. Jacob, would you like to close us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, right. Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for giving this opportunity to just talk about you, to draw closer to you in fellowship and just to see the opportunity and where we can see see you and our brothers and sisters around us. Lord, as we enter this Lent, we ask that you draw us closer to your most sacred heart. May it inflame everything we do out of love for you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Son Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Jacob, thanks for joining yeah, us. Thank you. And Good to be here. Thanks. Yeah. thanks Maybe so we'll have you on again. Why not? You know? Yeah. Because, I mean, you're here oh. till August. That's so. right, yeah. Him we'll put and you Matt Jimborowski. Oh. oh, boy. That might yes. be trouble. <laughs> Father Kevin's not sure about that idea. <laughs> 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 All right, everyone. We'll know of our prayers for you and keep praying for us. And happy Lent. See you next week.